Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me on the Why They Invested Healthcare Edition podcast by Slice of Healthcare. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Today, our guest is Charlotte Ross, an investor at Inspired Capital. Charlotte, how are you today? Hi, Jared. So great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for us to chat. Uh, got connected with you a couple months ago. We stayed in touch, and now we have you on the podcast. So full, almost full circle. Yeah, I'm a big fan of what you're building at Block Health. It's definitely one of those pain points that goes unnoticed, but is crucial to uh, our underlying healthcare system. For sure. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's uh, uh, really enjoy the space that we're in and uh, and what we can, we're continuing to build. Um, appreciate the kind words. Uh, so for, for this podcast, we're going to take a little bit of a different format approach uh, because I, I can say this, I can't say the other stuff, but you have some investments that you've made. The companies are still in stealth build. They haven't announced these, so you're being respectful, which I'm sure all founders that, that follow this this path would are, would be so excited to know that you, you follow this uh, this path to uh, to not um, you know necessarily tell about someone's financial situation when they don't want to announce it yet. So. Appreciate yeah, that. Exactly. I don't want to jump. I don't want to jump the gun here and, and and take all the glory for announcing a fundraise when it's really the founders' right to do that themselves. Yeah, and I'll tell you. Just so our listeners know, I tried. I tried to. <laughs> I tried to get you. And yeah, you would not. Yeah, you would not uh, give up the the name. So anyway, excited to chat. We're going to go a different format today. If you could start off by quickly telling our audience just a little bit about your background, and then we'll go into an overview of Inspired Capital as well as some investment themes. Okay, great, yeah. So um, Charlotte Ross, I grew up in New York City. Um, I uh, went to Yale for undergrad and studied economics there and had the fortune of actually studying under David Swenson, um, who's the, uh, who was the head, longtime head of the Yale Endowment, who unfortunately recently passed away, but kind of was, um, just known to be one of the pioneers in endowment investing. Um, and he kind of first like opened my eyes into, into what venture capital is. Cause I like truly had no idea what it was. Um, while I was at Yale, I actually, my, one of my favorite, probably top three favorite classes I took was a healthcare econ class, um, which just kind of completely opened my eyes to, I would call the, the craziness of healthcare economics and how it makes no sense, but, uh, continues to, uh, you know, exist and control our lives in many ways. But, um, uh, so after Yale, I went to Goldman Sachs. I was there for two years doing investment banking. So M&A transactions, IPOs for consumer internet companies, software companies, um, while I was there, I mean, the healthcare, I worked on a, uh, company called Everyday Health, which, you know, I think is still public, but, um, one of kind of the earlier digital healthcare companies out there. Um, and I knew I wanted to be an investor, you know, really thanks to, thanks to, thanks to David from Yale and, and some other, some other reasons. Um, but also wanted to get some operating experience first. Cause I thought it would be great to have that, like going on to the other side of the table. So, um, I went to go work, I worked at a deal with a, a fund called NEA, um, new enterprise associates. It's been around for about 40 years and, uh, went to go work for a portfolio company of theirs, pre-seed e-commerce, uh, startup kind of the height of the direct consumer boom. Um, and I was there for a few months, saw it post-launch. And it was just really fascinating to go from an organization like Goldman Sachs, 30,000 employees, global, runs like, you know, just like the the trains in Japan, like completely on time. Everyone's very competent to a startup where there's like literally three employees. And what you decide to do is just really 
uh, you're deciding with every decision that you make, you're deciding not to do something else. Um, so, you know, extreme lesson in time management. Um, after that launched, I joined NEA full time where I was an investor there for three years. Um, really awesome experience. Got to sit on the boards of companies like Duolingo and Framebridge and The Wing. So a lot of cool consumer names and some enterprise names as well. Um, and one of the things that was actually unfortunately missing at NEA was like the way they're structured is their healthcare team is sits very separately from their tech team. And so there were a bunch of companies that came through our door, um, back, you know, now this is like 2016, 2017, I can think of Roe, for example, where came in through the tech door. We were really excited about it, but kind of had to get the blessing of the healthcare team. And for them, it was just like a completely different model that they weren't familiar with. And so a lot of companies fell in the cracks candidly. Um, but I, I, healthcare was something I always wanted to invest in. And so then, um, I, uh, ended up meeting Alexa Von Tobel, who was the founder of a fintech company called LearnVest. Um, she sold the company in 2015 to Northwestern Mutual and was kind of thinking about her next thing. She'd been angel investing a ton. Um, and she became like a friend and a mentor outside of outside of work and, um, you know, came to me with her vision for Inspired, um, which I'm happy to get into. Um, and I was just completely sold and really fell in love with the idea of creating a fund that she wished existed when she uh, was a founder and also building a fund from the ground up, having spent several years at, you know, an old school legacy institution um, and just thinking like, what is the, what is the venture capital firm of the next kind of century look like um, and wanting to be a part of that. So you could say you were inspired. Yes. That's, <laughs> there are many puns to yeah, use. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's, that's, on our name. <laughs> that's my, well. I catch myself sometimes, um, but yes, yes. I won't say that's my last corny comment uh, because it very well <laughs> might not be, but uh, yeah, anyway. Okay. So uh, fast forward, that's, that's your background. Tell us a little bit about the the type of deals that maybe not necessarily you have done with Inspired Capital, but the type of uh, areas that you focus in on as a fund, uh, and then some of the maybe notable investments that you've made that we could kind of highlight for our audience. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just from a kind of structural perspective, I'll say the first fund um, that we raised in 2019, it was a $200 million fund. Um, Alexa brought on Penny Pritzker as her co-founder, and Penny was Secretary of Commerce under Obama. And really is kind of a unique superpower for Inspired. Um, she offers a pretty pretty uh, special kind of macro perspective on a lot of different things that we're considering. And obviously she has a ton of experience seeing businesses that are much, much more mature. She sits on board of Microsoft and a bunch of other companies that it really helps kind of give perspective sometimes when we're meeting and we're investing in some of these earlier companies. Um, so, so that was, so Inspired, you know, kind of was born officially in 2019. Our first fund was $200 million about 25 companies in fund one. So it was pretty concentrated portfolio. We're focused on leading and co-leading seed and series A round. So writing checks ranging from a million dollars up to $12 million. Um, and that's a large range, but I think that's more of a reflection of like the market that we're in right now. And just that seed prices now are like, you know, multiples higher or seed, seed rounds now are multiples higher than they were three years ago. And same goes for series A. Um, and in terms of our kind of like our, our approach, like we're very generalist in nature, obviously do a lot in fintech given Alexa's background, but healthcare and fintech combined have like created, made up the majority of our investments in addition to other companies in robotics and consumer tech and trucking and logistics and others. 
Um, and, uh, so, so and the other thing to know is like, we reserve half our fund for follow on. So really committed to being long-term partners with companies when we invest. Um, and then we, uh, raised our second fund, uh, over the summer in 2021 and officially activated about six weeks ago. So that, that pool of capital is $280 million. So, uh, slightly larger, but really only to reflect again, like the larger round sizes that we're seeing are the core of what we do is the same. So leading seed in series A. Um, yeah, and then in terms of kind of companies that um, are notable across the portfolio, obviously we've done a ton in fintech. So um, Row is a digital uh, banking solution for small businesses, um, which is growing really rapidly kind of among like a lot of e-commerce brands. Um, you have a company called Chief, um, which is building kind of a network for really high-powered women and is really uh, been very resilient and maybe come out of the pandemic even stronger. Um, they're going international soon. Um, you have a company like Scythe Robotics, which is actually building a robotic lawnmower. Um, as you can imagine, labor is increasingly an issue across the country. And so how can we find ways to um, you know, reduce the need for that? Um, and and obviously there, there are many, many more out of our, our 25 plus portfolio, including the two ones that I'm not allowed to speak about because they haven't been announced yet, but, um, but definitely planning on doing more and more in healthcare and are and, and beyond the ones that I can't talk about where investors in canvas medical, um, which is building a d digital kind of, uh, operating system for, um, healthcare, digital healthcare companies, and also, um, Nirvana care, which is more of a back office support for, for therapists. Love it. Love it. And what I want to quickly dive into with you today is so since we're not talking about certain investments right we are going to talk about some themes so can mm -hmm. you talk us through two main themes that you're looking at right now which was price transparency i believe and patients becoming payers can you kind of talk a little bit about those two yeah of course um so i'll i'll, I'll talk about patients becoming payers first this is one that i'm really passionate about and actually um be this is the investment I can talk about is the reason kind of for why. And I think it kind of goes back to this idea that we're seeing like this real macro shift in healthcare um, in our country where, you know, 51% of Americans are enrolled in a high deductible healthcare plan. Um, and the average deductible for a family on one of those plans is over $4,000. And so if you think about just how much the average American has in savings, um, and how the fact that like, you know, 60% of Americans can't afford a thousand dollar kind of unexpected expense, that's a problem. Um, and so you're, you're, you're basically putting, putting patients, consumers into a situation where they have to really take control of their healthcare and take control of, of the cost of healthcare. Um, and, you know, we're, I think one of the trends within that I'm excited about is just like the rise of ICRAs and what does that mean? So ICRAs, I guess, you know, I'm sure you know, but for your audience, individual coverage, health reimbursement arrangements. Um, and so, you know, I think I think we're going to see a theme around employers kind of wanting to get out of like delivering healthcare benefits and letting their employees like choose the plan that's right for them. And I think there could be some pretty powerful brands and experiences built around that. Um, and then along those lines, that kind of dovetails into the, the healthcare price transparency piece, which is now that consumers are going to have to be paying for their healthcare more, they're going to care more about the actual cost. Um, and so I guess two kind of 
legislative things that have happened recently that are, are great tailwinds for any any business building in this category is just like the healthcare price tra- or the hospital price transparency rule, which went into effect in early 2021. Um, that requires hospitals to publish the price of health services by payer. So saying, okay, an MRI if you have Aetna is X, an MRI if you have United is Y. Um, and that hopefully the, the intent of that is to drive down costs overall. Unfortunately, I think it's like something like only less than 20% of hospitals have been compliant with that rule. Um, and that's partially because the, the penalty is like so low. I think it's like around 100 grand. So the government really needs to, to kind of increase that. Um, but in the meantime, I think as those things become more and more available and as technology can hook into those pipes and really and really kind of uh, distill what the prices are across different payers, across different hospitals, that will be huge. Um, because it's really, frankly, just crazy that you can have an MRI at you know Mount Sinai in New York and go 20 blocks south and have a same service, but for a drastically different price at a different hospital. Um, and then the last thing I'll say on the, on the legislative side is like the No Surprises Act. Um, which I think is maybe pushed right now, but going to hopefully uh, be implemented soon. And that one is interesting because, you know, you're in a hospital and you're there to have a baby, for example, and some person comes in who's an out-of-network anesthesiologist and all of a sudden you're stuck with like a multi-thousand dollar bill for something that was completely out of your control. And so um, I, I'm excited by some of some of those changes, but I do think that you're going to need to have companies in tech that are um, going to hold these hospitals and insurance companies accountable. For sure. Uh, thank you for that, Charlotte. But as we as we start to wrap up here, we usually keep these right around 15 minutes. Uh, one last question for you. And you already kind of talked a little bit about it in terms of themes that you look at and uh, the, the company's background, your background. But what do you look for if you could summarize it, you know, in kind of a, like a 60 second, 60 seconds, uh, spot. What do you look for when investing? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. It's something I ask myself every day. Um, I would say, you know, obviously you have to have a founder that has a like complete obsession, complete passion for what he or she is building. That's like the first and foremost thing that this founder is just not going to give up regardless of what happened. Um, the second thing is I, I like to see companies that are kind of like riding a wave. And sometimes that wave is like a macroeconomic wave, or sometimes the wave is kind of kicks off from, from some sort of thing out of their control. But like, there is definitely a timing element to it. And then of course, um, you have to believe that there's like some sort of like contrarian bet here that you're making, right? Because in order to have the, the returns that we want to have in venture, you can't just kind of uh, you can't just like invest in, in something that's kind of safe. Um, so you have to you have to see see the impossible um, when in, when looking to invest, and you have to kind of believe the unbelievable. Love it. Well, uh, Charlotte, where can people connect with you if they want to get in touch with you or Inspired Capital? And then we'll wrap yeah, up. Absolutely. Um, my email inbox is always open, especially to founders building in healthcare. Um, so my email is just charlotte uh, at inspiredcapital.com. Awesome. No Twitter. <laughs> no Twitter. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Charlotte, thanks again. Really appreciate having you on the podcast. And hopefully we can have you on again soon to talk about some of those uh, stealth companies. Awesome. Yes, absolutely. Thanks so much, Jared.